Do you know how much imposter syndrome is costing your business? The thing with imposter syndrome is that we don't know from the outside who is experiencing imposter syndrome at any given time. On a recent study that I carried out, employees described their experience of imposter syndrome as feeling really anxious and feeling really stressed. Imposter syndrome is known to be linked with burnout because we tend to want to hide our imposter syndrome by overworking. Another symptom of imposter syndrome is that we're not sharing our ideas and so our voices don't get heard at work and the company that we work for becomes therefore less innovative. Imposter syndrome occurs at all levels within organisations And it's especially prevalent when we start a new role, when we start a new company, and it can become really debilitating when we are promoted to a position. If you'd like to know more about the work that I do with organisations when it comes to imposter syndrome, to identifying it, to managing it, to overcoming it, please check out my website, impostersyndrome.ie. That's imposter with an E, impostersyndrome.ie. You're listening to the Happier at Work podcast. I'm your host, Aoife O'Brien. This is the podcast for leaders who put people first. The podcast covers four broad themes, engagement and belonging, performance and productivity, leadership equity, and the future of work. Everything to do with the Happier at Work podcast relates to employee retention. You can find out more at happieratwork.ie. We want to help people be happier, uh, answer their questions, meet their needs. We, we have this strong desire to serve others. And when taken to an extreme, that can work against us. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Happier at Work podcast. I'm really thrilled that you decided to tune in today. Today's guest is Andrew Bartlow and Andrew works with HR to help them to elevate their careers and to become more strategic. Now, you might think that the episode is targeted specifically towards HR people, but really a lot of the concepts that we cover can be applied in any sort of career situation. So if you want to become more strategic in your career, then definitely give this episode a listen. As always, I will do a synopsis of some of the key points at the end and I will be posting on social media. So I'd love for you to join in the conversation, to get involved, to let me know what you thought of today's episode. And you'll find all of my social links on my website, happieratwork.ie. Andrew, welcome to the Happier at Work podcast. I'm so looking forward to this conversation today. Uh, We're going to talk about HR and all things. But before we get into that, do you want to give people a little bit of of a kind of a brief history of of what brought you to where you are today? Sure. And, And thank you. Just so good to be with you. I'm a lifelong, career long HR guy. Uh, so I've been doing work in human resources, both independently inside giant Fortune 50 enterprise organizations and really everything in between for the past 25 years. And uh, I had this uh, wonderful, in, in some ways, uh, capstone experience about about four years ago. I was the head of the human resources function at a real estate technology company that went public and got really big and uh, is now known as Invitation Homes. And uh, as, as part of the continued 
growth of that company. It went through a number of mergers and uh, PE sponsor exits. I, at one point, pulled my golden parachute. And <laughs> and uh, the equity vested and the severance plan kicked in. And oh my goodness, that was like leaping off a cliff. Mm-hmm. Um, but that has led to me being independent and now working with individuals and companies and investment organizations, uh, helping them to help their organizations be more effective. Mm-hmm. Um, I, re- I wrote my bucket list book, uh, Scaling for Success. It's behind me on camera. Um, and I you know, put together a, uh, a, a series of educational programs for other HR people, They're trying to help them navigate the, the experiences that you know, we share, mm-hmm. maybe with a little bit more gracefulness than, than I did um, in, in my many years and you know, stubbed toes and knocked knees. I love how you describe that. I think it's from our mistakes uh, and setbacks that is where we grow and where we learn and where we want to see the change that we want to make in the world as well, dare I say. Um, An interestingly kind of similar path to yourself, Andrew, uh, coming up nearly five years ago, actually. And by the time this podcast comes out, it's probably around five years ago that I left a corporate career and didn't have anything like a golden parachute. I had a, you know, oh, this parachute is actually actually a knapsack experience more so than than a golden parachute. But, um, you know, I kind of reached a, a stage in my career where I thought I could have a, a bigger impact doing doing something different. I wasn't necessarily working to my strengths. I wasn't living my values, all of those kind of things that are that are quite important, I think, when it comes to work. But often people think that given my podcast and given the kinds of things that I talk about, that my background is in HR, but it's not. My background is more commercial. I, you know, I worked with clients. I I worked mostly in agencies in fast moving consumer goods and, you know, delivered projects to clients, analytics delivering presentations, um, building revenue, all of that kind of stuff. So kind of different to HR, but I also have that commercial mindset when it comes to talking about business as well, which I think is is a benefit. So maybe where we'll start, given given your background, like what are the big challenges that you see for HR? And, and interestingly, before we kind of go on to that, I just want to maybe say back to you what you said. It's like, all of the shared things that we have. And I think HR in particular are very, they have a unique set of skills and a unique set of experiences at work that are not found in other parts of the organization. Would I be right? Would it be fair to say that? I think that's right. I I may make up a term on the spot here and we'll see if it sticks or not. Love it. I I feel as, as though human resources professionals are the insider outsiders. Mm-hmm. Or maybe they're the outsider insiders. That's that's maybe more accurate. The outsider insiders, where you're often part of the leadership team, you're often aware of how decisions are made inside an organization, but you're not always strongly influencing how those decisions are made. Yeah. You're you're often carrying out the decisions mm-hmm. of the the senior leadership team, and and maybe you're at the table, but you're often bringing the the donuts. Um, you rather, rather than being part of the core decision-making group. And, and that's, that's something that, you know, I, I'm very actively trying to change and Mm -hmm. help other HR people grow and evolve out of it. But it is this interesting role where you're, you're straddling a number of different stakeholder interests. You're looking out for the best interests of your 
workers. You're trying to help the organization meet its financial goals. You're trying to help the organization maintain a, a strong long-term reputation. You're trying to help the investors you know, get a return on their investment. There are all these stakeholders that have competing interests, and the, the HR professional ends up being stretched in a thin and often awkward way uh, between those different groups. Mm. So would you say they're the kind of two main challenges that you see? So the first one being that HR, while they may have a seat at the table, they're not actually making any decisions. So companies, even if they have a CHRO, it, they kind of maybe default to the finance for the ultimate decision when some, something needs to happen. And then the second one being that the, the unique challenge of trying to manage multiple competing stakeholders. Would, would, you, would that be fair to say? Anything else to add on top of those? Yeah, I, I think I'd agree with the competing stakeholders for sure. That mm-hmm. That's a challenge. And, and I, I don't think it's quite as binary as you make all the decisions or you make none of the decisions. Okay, it's more yeah. about how, how do you interact with yeah. the other members of the senior team? Mm. And and you know, happy to expand on this, and you know, have have a have a strong personal and professional view of many human resources professionals with very good intentions uh, find themselves naturally gravitating towards a servant or service oriented style of work. Um, I'm going to you know in- ensure that people have an excellent experience, and I will be massively responsive to your needs. Um, but that only takes you so far in your role, unless you elevate and think about who are all these other stakeholders, what do they need, maybe what we need instead of, you know, this question about your benefits beneficiary being answered today, maybe what we actually need is some form of program around recruitment and retention for the organization. And nobody's asking for that. It's up to you as the leader to identify the need, advocate for it, get support and make it happen. And so there, there's, a, there's an elevation that can occur uh, within the function that I don't think enough people are taking a hold of. Mm. So it's kind of going from a reactive mindset. So like kind of looking at the yeah. employees and what they need to more of a proactive, strategic, how do, we, how do we think about the bigger picture here and what do we need to think about in advance of it actually happening? So we need to think about things like employee engagement and retention before it becomes an issue, because once it becomes an issue, then it's, it becomes a kind of a bigger hole to fix, if you like. Um, uh, so it's that kind of, so it's kind of helping HR, let's say, to think a little bit more strategically so yeah, that they can yeah. have a better influence within, within the organization. That, that's exactly the language that I use to try to, you know, make it as clear as possible. I try to help other HR people be more strategic. And what does that mean? And what does that look like? And what do you do to do that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and what do you think are the biggest challenges when people first now I'm, I'm I'm trying to think of how to phrase this is it is the biggest challenge that people don't know that they need to be strategic or do they have a challenge with becoming more strategic developing that strategic thinking mindset yeah a great acknowledgement it's different you know intellectually and boy you'll hear you're, you will hear people talk about it regularly I want a seat at the table I need to be strategic. I'm a strategic human resources leader. And usually if you say that you are, it means that you're not because you're you know, overly focused on it, but not actually doing the activities. Um, I, I condense it down 
to say being strategic is deciding what's important right now, deciding what to work on. And you encapsulated it really nicely about that's being more proactive than reactive. It's being more broadly aware of who your stakeholders are and what they care about. And it's it's leading the conversation rather than uh, saluting when someone else tells you what to do. Like, sure, you should speak with the executive team and the CEO and ask them what they think is important. Um, but you're not really leading your function if you're you know, taking direction from someone else about your function, right? It's, it's up to you as a leader within your function, as a strategic leader, to think about what's important to do right now. Mm. And make those decisions. And, you know, you can, of course, have input from other people, but the sure. ultimate decision is yours. And I, I suppose that needs to be really, really clear. And I, and I suppose coming back, so people know that they need to be strategic. So maybe it's a jump in how how to be perceived as strategic or how to actually act in a strategic way. Would that be fair to say? So many human resources profession uh, professionals enter this field because we want to help people, mm. right? We, it, is a, it is a core part of our identity. We want to help people. We want to help people be happier. We want to uh, answer their questions, meet their needs. We, we have this strong desire to serve others. And when taken to an extreme, that can work against us because we're, you know, to use a restaurant analogy, we're constantly bringing the cheeseburger with a great smile and we're getting a great tip, mm. but we're not taking the opportunity to think about, well, how do we increase traffic at our restaurant? What should be on our menu? Mm. What's the appropriate pricing to make this restaurant be as profitable as possible? We get focused on service delivery mm. at the loss of attention on uh, larger, broader, uh, more strategic needs for the for the organization as a whole. Brilliant. And I love the analogy that you use. It really kind of hits home when you're talking about things like and decide what pricing it should be. It's like, well, that's kind of to me that says we need to think strategically about our salary, look at our compensation packages and, you know, how are we going to get more foot traffic? How are we going to attract more people to this organization? And what do we need to do in order to do that? And, you know, uh, do you see more and more HR people becoming the strategic partners in, in business? Like, do you see, or maybe, and I don't know if there, if there are statistics for this, but what percentage would you say are kind of operating in this service-based model versus the strategic thinking? And, and what do we need to, to, to do in order to make that shift to make it more of a strategic role? Yeah, that, that's an interesting question. Well, I, I'd start by saying not everyone needs to be, mm. not everyone should be yeah. strategic, mm. right? A restaurant needs outstanding servers. You yeah. need a lot of them. You need a lot more great servers at a restaurant than you do general managers who are thinking about pricing and, and flow. Um, but if all you have are servers and no one is thinking about you know, how to uh, improve the health of that enterprise, then you're you're missing out. So you know, I, I'd say less than 20% of HR roles really need to be strategic and mm. think about the org as a whole. But of that group, less than 20, less than 10% actually are strategic. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, and 
And a lot of that, hey, I, I blame the hiring managers, right? A lot, of, a lot of the hiring managers don't know what to look for. Hmm. If you're a CEO, if you're a business leader, and you have never seen what strategic HR looks like and how it interacts with you, uh, then you don't know how to select for it. And you don't know how to empower that person you know, properly. And, and uh, I've seen more and more organizations do, do two things. Um, one is assign those strategic management responsibilities to another department. You have a COO that makes these yeah. decisions about mm-hmm. programs and processes and aligning goals and priorities. Or you have a CAO or you have a chief of staff. You know, that, that's become a very popular role. So, so one is uh, activities that would often go to the strategic HR leader, go to another seat at, at the table. Um, so, you know, someone takes your seat, essentially. Mm-hmm. A- and another is that organizations are hiring people from outside HR into the top HR seat. I've seen mm-hmm. more and more consultants from McKinsey and, and Bain um, slide over from a chief of staff role or... Um, you know, some, some sort of, you know, high, high level, um, you know, high powered individual moves into the function from outside the function because they're bringing a skill set that is frankly pretty rare in, Mm. in the function today. Yeah. 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 And do you think that's, that's a good thing then to have someone at that senior level, but they don't, they're lacking in that HR experience? Certainly not Mm. ideal. Hmm. Right. You, I, ideally, you would. Well, it, if you look across all the organizations in the in the country or the world, you know, there's there should probably be some blend of it's not all or nothing. Right. Everybody from outside or everybody from inside. Uh, but what I'm seeing is that the mix seems to be um, awkwardly proportioned. OK. Where there could be a lot more people coming up from within the function. We could mm-hmm. be doing more to develop ourselves. We could be doing more to develop each other mm. uh, to help broaden that awareness and deepen those skills. Mm. And when it comes to hiring, or this could apply also to promotion within, what are the kind of things that those managers, those senior leaders need to be looking out for, for someone to be put into one of those strategic HR roles? Yeah. Um, I'd, I'd say it's ensuring that your HR leader is a business person first. And you can't just count on the HR person saying, I'm a business person first, because we, we default to that just as frequently as we say we want or need a seat at the table, right? That, these, these have become well-rehearsed lines. Mm. Um, one, one screening question that a CEO or president or division leader could ask um, candidates for roles on on her team could be um how do you decide what's important in the Mm. human resources role and uh here i'll say something a little controversial i'd I'd suggest that if the hr candidate leads with something about making people happy something about employee advocacy Mm. that they may be overly focused on one particular stakeholder group Mm. at the expense of the broader stakeholders. So the, the right answer to that question is, how do you decide what to work on? It'd be, we together will select the right things that will help our organization meet its goals. Mm. Yeah. Right. And, that, right. And, and it's often this massive logic leap from, we're going to make our workers as happy as possible. And then that'll take care of the company. 
Mm. Well, there is some very strong limitations to that. And boy, you could pay everybody triple what they're making today, and they would be quite happy with that, or move to the four-hour work week that Tim Ferriss talks about. They'd be quite happy with that as well, I imagine, but the organization would, wouldn't exist very long. Hmm. So, you know, steering away from the overly focused um, position of advocating, advocating for one particular stakeholder group, it's usually the workers, hmm. um, to broadening your perspective around my role as a strategic HR leader exists to help the company meet its goals. Now, now often that means that I'm trying to figure out how to attract and retain workers, sure, but that's within the context of how can we be profitable? How can we grow? How can we be a sustaining enterprise? Mm. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, I mean, I, like I could have so much to add to that in terms of focusing on people and how profits tend to follow when you you put more of the focus on making sure that people are happier at work and it doesn't necessarily have to mean paying them triple the amount although like you say I'm sure people would be very very happy with that um kind of moving more towards this c-suite now and thinking of those strategic roles do you see any challenges around getting HR their own seat at the table rather than defaulting, like you said earlier, to say a COO or equivalent. Yeah. But there's a saying um, that I've heard, and I guess I'm using it now, uh, dress for the job that you want, Mm. right? So do the work. Yeah. Approach the work in a thoughtful, balanced, um, broad perspective way. Mm. And that will increase the respect that the senior leadership team has for you and for your role. If you are a tightly focused advocate for one particular group or a social cause or whatever it is, then you will be viewed as such, as an advocate. Um, I I think about my days in in a unionized workforce. Uh, the, The union steward that's pounding the table and, you know, arguing for the benefit of their constituents at the expense of the company Mm. is not often invited to the table. Yeah. Don't be the union steward, Mm. right? You, you want to be a, a, an executive who's making decisions and setting priorities with the health of the overall enterprise in mind. So dress for the job that you want, do the work. Going back to this idea that, or sorry, going back to this point you made earlier that you need to have that business head about you. You need to understand the commercial realities of of being in business. And I suppose thinking about it from the perspective of, let's say, the CEO or other C-suite members where traditionally HR haven't had that seat, how do we convince them, maybe convince is the wrong word, but how do we advocate for HR to have that seat at that level. So rather than kind of, I suppose, attacking it from both sides, if you like. So as right, a HR person, right. this is what you need to do. But if you're listening to this and you are at that C-suite level, but you don't have a separate HR person who's at that level and making those strategic decisions, how do we how do we advocate for that? More specifically, more practically and tactically, you know, what are the activities and behaviors that you would do to do the work? Um, one, uh, method that I've helped teach people about is waterfall planning. That's kind of a big fuzzy term. 
it's it's aligning the goals of the organization. What are the top three things that your uh, organization is trying to accomplish with the goals of your function or your department? And those should be pretty closely linked. Like if you're trying to, and, and HR often finds itself out on HR Island uh, where we're working on HRE things that are important to us as a function, but might be disconnected from the most important goals of the company as a whole. Mm-hmm. And uh, lots of stuff comes back to recruitment and retention and optimizing the productivity of the workforce. So let, let, let's use an example. Let's say that you want your organization to decrease its cost of customer acquisition or expand into Europe. Those are pretty common, pretty big ticket, you know, top level company goals. What could your HR function do to support those goals? How do we decrease the cost of customer acquisition? One could be looking at uh, workforce planning in your marketing and sales team to try to figure out how to optimize the effectiveness of those teams. You know, so it might be a sales training program for your inside sales team. That could decrease the cost of customer acquisition. It could be designing a new incentive plan uh, to drive increased cross-sell. That's, that's another idea. It, it could be sourcing a new director of the European uh, market sales team to help with that expansion. Those are very specific things that once you link them to those overall company goals become obvious around, well, of, of course, that would drive the company goals, but I've got to do all this other stuff. I've got to pay people and we've got benefit enrollment and that we've got mm-hmm. complaints to deal with. And yes, yes, all that stuff needs to happen. That's the keep the business running stuff mm-hmm. that should be happening in the background that you don't need to talk about, that you don't need to put on a slide or a presentation. Yes, all that stuff needs to happen. Mm. What are your most important things? That helps you prioritize. It helps your team prioritize. That helps the leadership team understand mm. that you that you get it, that yeah. you get what's most important to the organization. Mm. So, so both from the HR seat and from the leadership seat, look for that alignment mm. and try to make that alignment very, very clear. And, you know, you could do it on one page with, you know, almost an org chart sort of uh, waterfall flow. Um, but, you know, continuing to stick with that talk track and keeping your focus where it belongs I think um, it's, will, will help you. Yeah, it's, it's I mean, it's, I, I've, I really, really like that example that you've used. I think it's, it's, it's pretty powerful. It's very, you know, you can picture exactly how that would relate, I think. And, and from, the other side, it's like that's very tactical, exactly as you said. Um, it's the the day to day stuff that needs to keep happening in order to keep the business running versus the top, de- you know, the bottom up versus the top down stuff that needs to happen. And it's knowing that you need to focus on on the top down. Maybe let's dive into the challenges associated with that. You know, and I'm like I say, never worked in HR, but I'm coming at this from the perspective of, but I need to make sure that all this stuff happens on a day-to-day basis. Otherwise, right, right. X, Y, and Z is going to happen. So how do you shift maybe from that mentality of, but I have to keep all of this stuff going because otherwise, you know, the, the company's going to fail or we're going to have a lawsuit sure. or we're going to have this, this, and this. How do I shift my thinking towards the, I need to prioritize those strategic priorities for the yeah. organization? 
Yeah, it's a really common concern and common objection, right? It's not like we have scads of free time that we can be strategic during. Uh, There's work, there's need, there are requests, Mm -hmm. there are demands uh, on our time. I work often with, you know, smaller organizations, often venture-backed or PE-backed that aren't, you know, deeply resourced, often teams of one or two HR people. And so how do you do all the stuff, do all the keep the business running stuff and air quote, be strategic and, you know, Mm. think about and act upon all these like higher order uh, needs. And I'd suggest that it doesn't necessarily require a lot of extra time. Mm. It's not, it's not additional time. And frankly, you know, to use the Franklin Covey, Stephen Covey terms, these should be your big rocks. These should be your big rocks that, get attention first. Yeah. You know, there, there's a there's a famous video I like to show it for a lot of my clients of like, you know, if you put all the sand and the gravel in first, the the rocks, the rocks don't, don't fit, yeah, don't fit yeah. in the bowl, right? Yeah, yeah. So put put the big rocks in the bowl first. Like mm. what is necessary to drive the success of your organization? Do that first. Mm. And and maybe somebody that asked you a question about benefits, maybe they can wait until tomorrow. Yeah. Rather than do it as soon as it comes in. Yeah. Yeah. It comes so back it, to it, this prioritizing. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I have so many ideas now based on just based on that. But it's um, it is it's coming back to this idea of being more strategic and less reactive. So that to use your example of the question about benefits, what I've started doing now is putting an out of office on my emails to say, uh, I check my emails twice a day, and uh, here's anything that you might need to know. So here's how to work with me. Here's how to book a call with me. Here's how to you know, and there's a list of all of these. Here's how to get in touch relating to the podcast. Please don't use this email address. It's this other email address. Here's how to listen to the podcast. Here's the free resources that you might want to download. So I put all of that in my in my out of office, which means that, you know, there's a lot of stuff there that could go away. So coming back to your example of the um, the question about benefits or, or, you know, could there be a place where, you know, here's an out of office I check right. my emails twice a day. Here's where you, you can go to a FAQ. You can go to the internet to find out about what your benefits are. You can reach out to the provider that we use or, yeah. you know, is there, I'm always looking at ways, you know, you mentioned earlier that organizations are concerned in with things like um, uh, recruitment, retention and productivity. I'm obsessed with this idea of productivity. How do you make things more efficient? And maybe that's the challenge right that a lot of people face, that they're they're so busy being busy that they're just keeping yes. themselves busy and busy and busy. Yeah, I'd suggest that most people are aware of a lot of these productivity hacks, right? Yeah. The time blocking, the, you know, a- asynchronous work, mm. the, um, you know, the batching of, of email responses. I mean, th- those are all good and important things. The, the task lists, the, you know, System, the technology systems that help you, you know, filter through these things. I'd suggest that the root cause might be more internal. The root mm-hmm. cause is that many of us really care about people and we want to be responsive and we have this uh, self-identity, um, you know, th- this bit of ego that we define our success and our value as how quickly and how friendly we are transacting the service for the people that we that we work with. And so we the the internal mindset 
needs to shift to be effective, right? You, you won't use the productivity hack if you can't get your mind wrapped around um, your your role changes mm. or your role has a strategic component that maybe you need to pay a bit more attention to. Mm. Yeah, really, really interesting. And that comes up, you know, it has come up a few times on the podcast in the past, this idea of having a mindset shift to, you know, and, and we kind of dug in a little bit deeper around beliefs and you're talking about identity. So it, if I identify my success uh, or my value as a human being or as a value as a colleague by being reactive, by being by answering emails within a couple of minutes right. or within a couple of hours, whatever it might be, that if I attach my value to that, it, it's quite hard to get away from that thinking. If I, you know, and I go through this myself, I check my emails twice a day, but I still tempted to go in and, and check just to make sure nothing urgent has come in. Um, so, it, you know, I think it's a, I suppose it's a, what I'm trying to say is it's a hard, long process in shifting yeah. your mindset and it's taking small steps at a time to, to get there, but really insightful that that could be something that's that's actually holding people back from being more strategic is what's going on for themselves and how they perceive themselves and the value that they add to the organization. Yep. Yep. And, and hey, when you feel under pressure, you often default back to your mm. your most uh, comfortable behaviors. And so if you get busy and stressed and there's a lot to do, you may find yourself you know, working on the sand and the gravel. Uh, more often or or being more directly responsive and kicking the can on yeah. some of these bigger bigger ticket items and, and you know i I might extend it like I, I specialize because my entire career was in human resources I specialize in working with HR people but the same principles are at work in any function oh absolutely and that's why I find it so relatable as well yeah 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 and the the motivations may be a little different like you know thinking about a sales force you know instead of being you know this you know strong tendency to being a, a helper and you know a servant leader in sales you know often you're you know the you're you're trying to close deals you're trying to talk with customers and so attending to the management aspects of your work um, prioritizing and planning and giving feedback to your team those aren't um, well-developed muscles um, for many successful salespeople and so you might tend to get more hands-on. Mm -hmm. Same for engineering. You might be in the code rather than doing the planning and prioritizing. So mm -hmm. uh, the, the principles apply to any function. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, 100%. And I think, you know, bringing it back to the individual level, if people are thinking if they want to progress their career, if they want to develop their skills, if they want to get better at doing what they're currently doing, then it really is about making that shift towards more strategic thinking and actually prioritizing the time for that at the expense maybe of being this person who you've always been is the reactive, the helping other people, you know, it's moving away from that. And, and even to take it a step further, maybe thinking about ways that people can serve themselves, that they can help themselves, because that takes you then out of the equation completely, that they can access the information they need and you don't need to be there to provide that information to them. Yeah. Yeah. The mindset shift, the personal identity shift is not something that can happen overnight. Mm -hmm. Snapping my fingers. It doesn't yeah. just, you know, you, you blink like and, and it occurs. Right? Yeah. It, it's not like a great article that you read and then all of a sudden or you you drop a prioritization matrix mm -hmm. on, on your desk on a sticky note. It, it's, it's really the combination of a lot of different 
things, mm-hmm. right? It's it's having a, a a group of people that will support each other. It's mm-hmm. um, continuing to read and be aware of tactics on the topic. It's having someone to you know call you on it or hold you accountable when you stray from the path. And you know if you can piece together enough of these reinforcements, mm-hmm. then you know, you you can uh, you can make a change mm. over time. Yeah. Some, and again, I, I just really want to emphasize like the world needs great servant leaders. The world needs great service delivery folk. Um, and, and that's, that's work that you can be very proud of. And that's valuable work. What I focus on is this real l- tiny niche of strategic HR professionals that I think is, that I think is underserved. And I think mm-hmm. there are more people that could be more successful in the senior strategic executive mm-hmm. ranks yeah. if they attended to the bigger picture. I think, I mean, even to to build on that, Andrew, the impact that HR has at work. So if you can impact on those people to help them to be more successful and more strategic, the knock-on impact of that throughout the entire organization, I think it would be really, really felt. The, the other thing I was going to add in relation to trying this and the mindset shift is just trying stuff and being prepared to fail, (laughs) you know, trying things and reflecting and seeing what's working and what's not working and trying again and trying again. And, you know, if it's not working the first time, maybe it will work the next time. Um, Yeah. I mean, we've talked about a a lot of different things in relation to strategic HR. Is there anything in particular you feel that we haven't covered that you'd like to, a point that you'd like to get across today? Oh, my. Um, Have I opened a can of worms? (laughs) (laughs) It's it's obviously a favorite topic and it's Mm. an area that I I have lived through the school of hard knocks myself Mm. on on this. Um, I, I guess I would just emphasize to the audience that you can be as successful as you choose to be um, and as you are willing to allow yourself to adapt and shape over time. And, you know, I I think being strategic is a choice. I think supporting your organization is is something that we could wrap our minds around a little bit better and and get out of our own way sometimes from just doing like, let's look up and figure out what what, where are we going and what could we do uh, to be most useful. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I love I love that approach. Um, I mean, I suppose something that that's coming up for me. There's obviously people who are in privileged situations. It's a little bit easier for them. Um, other people, maybe issues around diversity and 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 biases at work and and that sort of stuff. So I just wanted to call that out in case anyone's listening and going, well, it's easy for you to say, you know, from a privileged situation that you can be as successful as you want. Not everyone has necessarily the same level of opportunity. And I suppose I just wanted to to call that out for listeners as well, in case someone's listening and thinking, oh, that's not me. That's not me. I'm having all of these challenges at work. Um, You know, so I just wanted to, to kind of raise awareness, make people aware of that. Now, the question I ask everyone who comes on the podcast is what does being happier at work mean to you? Boy, what does being happier at work mean to me? I, actually, I I will refer back to some work by a company called Gartner, um, which recently bought CEB Conference Executive Board, which does a lot of benchmarking and data collection. And boy, this sounds very academic, doesn't it? So what does being happier at work mean to me? Their, their definition, you know, 
tied to employee engagement surveys. And there are happiness or satisfaction surveys. And they were digging into the data around, okay, well, what do you get out of happiness? What do you get out of satisfaction? And they identified two outcomes that were most strongly related. And one is uh, intention to stay. And the second is discretionary effort. Mm. And so if you are happy at work, if you're engaged, if you're satisfied, uh, and I give all credit to Gartner for uncovering this, you are more likely to want to continue to be a part of that organization. Mm. You're less likely to leave. Um, you're also more likely to care more mm. and do more and be more proactive at that organization. Um, so, yeah, I, I guess I'd put a bow on it. What, what does being happier at work mean? It means that you want to continue to be a part of an organization. You want to contribute more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I love that. Really kind of synopsizes what being happier at work, like, and what I talk about all the time is, yeah, you want to stay in the organization for longer, which saves organizations money. And if you're putting in that discretionary effort, if you're being more proactive than reactive and, and doing additional work, that has a benefit for organizations as well, has a benefit for the individual, has a benefit for the teams. Um, now, Andrew, if people want to connect with you, if they want to reach out, find out a, a bit more about you, what you do, uh, your book, any events or anything like that, any programs that you have coming up, uh, you can let them know. Yeah, well, th thanks for the the softball there. Yeah, yeah. Please, please, anyone listening still at this point, you know, connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, I'm I'm out there all the time, and you know, put put uh, kind of a lot of content out in the world that is hopefully interesting or useful. Uh, and if you're interested, if you're a human resources leader that wants to be more strategic, that wants to be more successful in your role, um, I run a variety of different programs from, you know, cohort uh, executive MBA style programs to one-on-one -on -one mentoring, you know, check, check that out. You can connect to all of it through my LinkedIn, but People Leader Accelerator is that flagship program where we, we help heads of HR do some pretty interesting stuff. Mm. And is, does that tie in with a lot of what we talked about today? Sure does. Sure Brilliant. does. Brilliant. Love that. And we've just recently connected on LinkedIn. So I'm looking forward to interacting with your content and hopefully you'll find value in the content that I put out there as well. I'd love to say thank you so much for your time today, Andrew. Really enjoyed that conversation. Love getting into the nitty gritty of, you know, how to be more strategic, how to create happier working environments, how to help everyone to succeed and, and be more successful at work. Um, so really appreciate you taking the time today. Thank you. Thank you. That was Andrew Bartlow and we were talking about career su success specifically, I suppose, for, for HR people. But like I said at the beginning, some of these lessons can really be applied in any situation. Now, before I go on to share a summary of some of the key points that I took away from our conversation today, I wanted to share with you that there is a free download available from Andrew. So if you'd like to get access to that, you can go to the link in the show notes below. If you want to get involved in the conversation today or have a, a you know continuation of that, you can do so by connecting with me on social media and commenting or 
getting involved in the, the conversation on the post. I also regularly go live on LinkedIn audio, which is live only. Previously, I went live on video, which is, you can at least watch the replay. But the audio version is live only. So do keep an eye out for that on my LinkedIn. And you're very welcome to join in the conversation there as well. You'll find all of the links to my social media on my website, happieratwork.ie. So the the first point really that Andrew made was that HR typically are carrying out the decisions rather than making them. And when I'm talking HR, you know, maybe in the, the wider context of your career, maybe this is something that, that can apply to you. So about carrying out decisions rather than actually making those decisions and tend to be servant oriented and that is responding to the needs of others. And if you think about it from a broader context, it's about being proactive versus reactive. And if you want to become more strategic in your career, and that means deciding what's important. So you need to be proactive. You need to have a broader awareness of business goals and what's going on around you. And you need to be able to lead the conversation as well. Another thing that we talked about then is about being a business person. So having that business head, knowing whether it is the financials, whether it is the strategy, whether it's linking up the goals, but having that business acumen to really understand what's going on and what the impact of what you're talking about is going to be. Another thing that Andrew mentioned was this idea of disconnected goals. And I do see this a lot in organisations where there's an overarching goal for the business, but it's not necessarily clear how those goals or how the goals of individual departments or teams relate back to the overall business goals. And it's so, so important to be able to do that. Even on an individual level, you need to be able to articulate the impact that an individual is having towards the business being able to reach their goals. And when you can make that connection, it on an individual level, it makes people feel much more important and much more empowered and that they really matter and that they're valued in the organisation. From an organisation perspective, it has an impact on people being able to get their job and and making that clear link and knowing that they're important and, and feeling happier at work. Andrew spoke as well about kind of three key areas being recruitment, retention and productivity. And I suppose this can apply in multiple contexts as well. So focusing on those three areas. So getting the right people in to begin with and making sure that they stay and making sure that they're they're getting things done in an efficient way, knowing what the important things are and focusing on those. Oftentimes we are so busy being busy. But what Andrew shared around this is that oftentimes the root cause is internal. So we self we have this self identity of being helpful rather than being successful and valued. So, you know, being helpful can be things like saying yes when you want to say no or or saying yes to everyone, even though you don't have time to help everyone rather than, you know, and it's really requires a mindset shift. So shifting your mind to being more focused on being in a successful position and being a valued contributor or valued part of the team. And the final thing that I want to leave you with is are the two outcomes that Andrew mentioned at the end of the podcast. And again, these These outcomes can be applied in multiple different contexts. So the two outcomes are the intention to stay and discretionary effort. So thinking about this in in the wider context from a leadership perspective, do the people who work in your team 
intend to stay in the organisation, number one, and are they putting in additional effort in order to get the job done, number two. So would love, as I mentioned, for you to get involved in the conversation, to carry on the, the, the conversation from today. You will find all of my social media links over on happieratwork.ie and I would absolutely love to hear from you what you thought about today's episode. That was another episode of the Happier at Work podcast. I am so glad you tuned in today. If you enjoyed today's podcast, I would love to get your thoughts. Head on over to social media to get involved in the conversation. If you enjoy the podcast, I would love if you could rate, review it or share it with a friend. If you want to know more about what I do or how I could help your business, head on over to happieratwork.ie.